welcome to the UNT BSM audio resources. If you want more information on the BSM, you can go to untbsm.com. Thanks for listening. My name is Mary, and I'm afterwards. I think I've met all of y'all, but um, I'm excited to be teaching tonight with you. You can go ahead and turn there. James chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we should have some spread out on some of the chairs around you, and we're going to be on page 587 in those Bibles. Page 587, James chapter 3. So I'm sure we've all heard the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, and I'm sure all of us can also attest to how untrue this is. Our words can really hurt. They cut deep. And in fact, if someone actually uses that rhyme, it's probably because they did just have their feelings hurt by someone's words, and they're just trying to have a comeback. As I've been thinking about the of how I've hurt others with my words, and also how I've been hurt by the words of other people, sometimes I've portrayed others unfairly through my words. There are also times when I've selfishly held back from speaking words that could have been encouraging to someone else. In the passage we're going to read tonight, James speaks more strongly about the dangers of the tongue than any other New Testament writer. I'm just warning about it. It's easy if you just read this passage by itself to not see a lot of hope in it. It pretty much says our words can be really destructive and ruin our lives. And that by itself is not very hopeful. But there is a lot of hope in Jesus. We have full forgiveness of sin in him, and that includes sins of the tongue. And even though our sinful speech is destructive, and we can't control, he transforms us. And he gives us the ability to speak words that are good and uplifting and beneficial. So that's where we're headed tonight. I'm excited to dive into these verses. At this point, several weeks looking at the relationship between faith and works. And James has already mentioned speech several times. In fact, there's at least one mention of speech in every chapter. In chapter 1, verse 19, James urged us to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. At the end of chapter 1, he gave three marks of pure religion, and the first one was bridling the tongue. Reality, and his conclusion was that we should speak and act as those who will be judged under the law of liberty. And at the end of last week's passage, James spoke about the inconsistency of saying that we have faith in God, but then living as if that's not true. James is concerned with consistency. What's on the inside should match what's on the outside. Genuine faith in Jesus will show itself. The state of our faith is seen the most clearly is in our speech. Nothing reveals the state of our hearts more quickly than our words. So the main point of tonight is this. Our words reveal the sin in our hearts. We can speak in ways that are glorifying to God. I'll repeat that one more time for those of y'all who are writing notes. Our words reveal the sin in our hearts, but through Christ, we can speak in ways that are glorifying to God. And we'll look at this passage in three sections. So in verse 1 through the beginning of verse 5, we'll see the power of the tongue. Verse 8, we'll see the destructiveness of the tongue. And in verses 9 through 12, we'll consider the inconsistency of the tongue. So the power of the tongue, the destructiveness of the tongue, and the inconsistency of the tongue. Let's start by reading the first section on the power of the tongue, starting in verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits inside their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. 
Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. So this section begins with a warning to teachers. And James specifically has in mind teachers within the church. It may seem like a warning to teachers. But when you think about it, the tongue is the main thing that teachers use in their ministry. And James is about to tell us that this is the most difficult part of the body to control. Teachers speak often, and they speak publicly, instructing others from God's word. And that's a weighty responsibility. Think about the difference between riding a bike and driving a car. When you ride a bike, you have okay to ride on the sidewalk or not. And if you're riding on the road, you've got to make sure you still follow the traffic rules and know how to signal to, to cars where you're turning. And if you want to be safe about it, you should wear a helmet. If you wreck, you might smash up your bike, you might get hurt, you might get a lecture from your parents. Think about a car, though. Driving a car is a much bigger responsibility, which is why there's such a process to get a license. You have to take a course, learn all the rules, practice driving, and then take your driver's test. You have to take your car in to get inspections to make sure everything is still working right. There are a lot more rules about drugs are a lot worse if you break those rules. And if you get in a car wreck, it's likely to be way more severe. If you wreck your car, it could kill someone. It could cause thousands of dollars in damage. It's a much bigger responsibility to drive a car because you could potentially do more damage to those around you. There's a reason that little kids ride bikes, but they're not out there driving cars. They're not mature enough yet for such a big responsibility to teach God's word. They're responsible for the souls of the people they're teaching. And there's a lot at stake if they speak things that are untrue and lead others astray. Teaching God's word is not something to mess around with. It says that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. They will be held to a higher level of accountability. Hebrews 13 tells us to submit to leaders in the church because they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So it's no small thing to be in the role of teacher within the church. Starting in verse 2, James moves from addressing teachers to including or the main point he's making. He says, we all stumble in many ways. Stumbling here refers to committing sin. So James is saying that all of us are sinful, and we sin in a variety of ways. Some people struggle more with certain areas of sin than others do. But James goes on to say that if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole struggle more with lust, while others of us struggle more with holding grudges. But all of us struggle with sins of the tongue. The sin of speech is universal. There isn't a single person. The word used here for perfect is the same word we read in chapter 1, verse 4, where James talked about being made perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. What James is talking about here is a person who has reached full maturity. The tongue is so difficult to bridle or control that the ability to control the tongue would mean we can control everything else. So think about all the different areas in which we struggle with self-lust. We struggle to think godly thoughts. We struggle to exercise self-control in the way we spend our time. James is essentially saying that if we could control our tongue, the rest of our self-control issues would seem like a walk in the park. But where the tongue is not restrained, the rest of our body is likely to be uncontrolled and undisciplined also. And then he gives a series of images in verses 3, putting bits in the mouths of horses to guide them. So a bit is a little piece of metal that goes in a horse's mouth, and then it's attached to a leather strap, and it's used to control the horse. So a tiny piece of metal, and then he compares it to a ship and uses a similar analogy. He says that ships are guided by a very small rudder that can be used to steer the course of the ship, even when the wind is really strong. 
Verse 5 is where James makes the connection between these analogies and our speech. Remember, this section is all about the power of the tongue. He's given two analogies of something small leading something big. It's a small part of our body. It's powerful, and it affects our lives in a big way. He says in verse 5, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Our tongues are very powerful, which can be used either for good or for bad. I'm sure we can all think of examples of this. Maybe just one small compliment or comment that you made to someone led to the other hand, I'm sure many of you have experienced hurtful comments that led to a friendship being unraveled or a family being torn apart. We'll talk more about the good things that our tongues can do in a few minutes, but for now, destructiveness of the tongue. So we'll pick up in the second half of verse 5 and read through verse 8. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For a sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So we have quite the intense imagery in these verses. I mean, in three verses, James compares the tongue to a devastating fire, a stain, more difficult to tame than wild beast, and a deadly poison. Tell us what you really think, James. Tongue to a fire, he's still continuing the idea from right before that even such a small part of the body can have huge effects. So it's like a spark, a small, uncontrolled flame that leads to an entire forest being set ablaze. These serious wildfires in Texas. Fires like this can have really devastating effects. They can cause millions of dollars of damage. And most wildfires are caused by humans. Every now and then they'll start because of lightning, but most of the time it's because a campfire was left unattended or someone didn't dispose of their cigarette properly or something similar. So the tiny match or lighter that was used to start the fire. James is saying the same thing about our speech. Even small words can cause lots of damage and create big problems. One careless word can spark intense hurt in a fragile heart. James describes the tongue not only as a fire in verse 6, but also as a world of unrighteousness. This could mean a couple different things. It could mean that human speech, like the spark that causes a huge fire. It could also mean that our tongues contain all the wickedness of this fallen world. So even our small tongues contain a world of unrighteousness or sin about the tongue in Matthew 15, 18 and 19. He says, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. So what comes out of our mouth proceeds from our heart. This helps us understand what James means when he says it's a world of unrighteousness. No other part of our body wreaks so much havoc. Listen to the rest of verse 6. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. I told y'all it was going to be an intense passage. So we've seen James's call to pure, undefiled religion is keeping oneself unstained from the world. Well, we see here that an unbridled tongue accomplishes just the opposite of this. It stains the whole body. So I have a good friend who, and she's so proud of this rug. Um, she showed it to me one time when I was at her house. And it had taken her a while after she and her husband moved into the house to decide what rug they wanted there. But she had finally found this beautiful white rug with some black accents that she liked for the space. And it was even one of those ruggable rugs that you can wash. 
They have three kids and a puppy, so that was pretty essential. Um, so their puppy is at the point where they have to keep an eye on her pretty much all the time because she'll just eat anything. Um, well, a little while ago, the puppy decided to eat some crayons that she found. So again, they have three kids. The kids left some crayons out, and naturally the puppy ate them. Um, so then she got sick, and she threw up the crayons on my friend's new white rug. So needless to say, there was a pretty good stain on the rug. But it's washable, so no problem, right? Um, so now the rug is ruined because of the stain. James is using the image of a stain here in verse 6 when he says that the tongue can stain our whole body. Sins of the tongue can leave a Like Jesus just said in the verses we read in Matthew, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles us. James also says that the tongue sets on fire the entire course of life. So the destructiveness of the tongue affects all of human existence from beginning to end in all its circumstances. And where does the destructive power come from? James says it comes from hell itself. Move to another analogy. So the language in these verses actually calls to mind the beginning of Genesis, where God gives Adam and Eve dominion over these same categories of animals, beast and bird, reptile and sea creature. So James is making the point here that we can sooner tame a wild animal than we can tame our own tongue. So think of something as powerful as a lion that we've tamed to do tricks in a circus, or a huge elephant. Killer whales do tricks for us at SeaWorld. So humans have the capacity to tame all sorts of strong wild animals, but not to tame our own tongues, according to James. Then at the endless evil, full of deadly poison. In chapter 1, when James talked about the doubter who is double-minded and unstable, that word for unstable is the same word that we see here translated restless. So this is a theme that we've seen in James so far. And James compares the destructiveness of our tongue to a deadly serpent. It's hard not to think here of the poisonous words of the to sin. So we've seen the power of the tongue, the destructiveness of the tongue, and in verses 9 through 12, we'll see the inconsistency of the tongue. So let's pick up reading in verse 9. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things pour forth in the same opening, both fresh and salt water. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So, meaning we praise and honor God, but with the same tongue we curse people. And ultimately, cursing other people is cursing God because they're made in God's image. So imagine if you went up to Brady and you said, hey, Brady, you're pretty cool. I really enjoy hanging out with you, and you're such a great staff member here at the BSM. That would be really nice of you, and that would be true of Brady. But what if you kept going and said, now, Annie, I don't really want to meet her. I don't really care about her. Um, that would be pretty hurtful, and it would make no sense to say those things together, because to insult Annie is to insult Brady. So every person that we encounter, whether they believe in God or not, is made in the image of God. Every person that you pass on campus is an image bearer of God. And to speak badly of a person is to, James is making the point that it's completely contradictory to bless God with our words and then turn right around and curse a person who's made in his image. And this is in line with what James has been saying throughout the whole book is evidence of a person who is double-minded and unstable in their faith. This is a person who says they have faith in God and even blesses God with their mouth, but they show otherwise in their actions, specifically in the sin of their speech against others. This kind of speech, this cursing that James is talking about, ultimately reveals an insincere faith because what comes out of our mouths 
And James gives a few more images to explain this. He starts with the spring, asking if the same spring can pour out both fresh water and salt water. James asks a rhetorical question here, knowing that his audience would know the answer. A spring might pour out fresh water or salt water, but it doesn't pour out one kind one moment and another kind the next. It's consistent in producing the same kind of water. And the same is true if a fig tree can't bear olives and a grapevine can't produce figs. And James ends this verse by saying, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So James is giving us examples of all these things that produce a trees produce figs because they're fig trees. Grapevines produce grapes because they're grapevines. Salt ponds produce salt water because they're salty. That's the way things work. And as Christians, we should produce speech and actions that are Christ-like. I want to spend a few minutes in Matthew 12 because what James is saying echoes the teachings of his brother, Jesus. You can turn there with me. It's from Matthew 12. So here, Jesus talks about the same thing, and he uses similar imagery about bearing fruit when he confronts the Pharisees. So we'll start reading in Matthew 12, verse 33. Either make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Our words announce the true state of our hearts. That's why what we say is, by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. So is he saying that if we say all the right things, we can be made right with God? No, there's no way that we can earn a right standing before God. But this statement reinforces the point that our words reveal our heart. So, with this in mind, and going back to James, where do we see the gospel in all of this? Because I don't know about you, harsh images about the dangers of our tongue, and he just left us hanging. So are we just supposed to sink into discouragement about all the damage that our tongues can cause? No, there's good news. So we can zoom out and see how this passage, and we can also look to other truths in Scripture, like what we just read in Matthew, as we think about sins of the tongue. We saw in James 3, verse 2, that we all stumble in many ways. In other words, we are all sinners. And our tongues reveal just how sinful we are. They reveal the wickedness in our heart. The sins of our tongue just provide more evidence of how much we need a Savior. And Jesus is the only person who never, never stumbled in what he said or in any other way. He was perfectly obedient to the Father in every way, including his speech. In his death on the cross, he bore the judgment that we deserved for the sins of our tongue and all other sins. And because of his death and resurrection, through faith in Christ, God gives us a new heart. And this renewed heart can and should produce people. But because of the new heart God has given us and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we've been given the ability to walk in obedience. Our speech can actually be glorifying to God. No human can tame the tongue and do that work in us. And when we see evidence of that, we can praise him, knowing that it's only because of his grace in our life. There's a reason that James doesn't give us a how-to section here. Like we just read in Matthew, our mouth is not really the problem. It's our heart that's the problem. So we don't just need to adapt our wording to sound better. We need a heart change. When we talk down to others, it's when we gossip about others or speak with mean sarcasm towards others, it's usually because we want to feel better about ourselves. 
Do you see how this is ultimately a heart problem? I would encourage you as you reflect on this passage and you think about your own speech to ask the question, what's going on in my heart that's causing me to speak in this way? And remember that we don't have the power to change our tame the tongue. So as we recognize these things in ourselves, we should take them to God in prayer and ask him to change our hearts because only he can. To go back to the analogy of bearing fruit, we don't just one day we'll become a good tree. We need God to change our hearts and make us a good tree that produces good fruit. For believers, even though God has given us a new heart, we still wrestle with sin. But we can ask God to keep changing us and making our character more and more consistent with who we already are in Christ. So I wonder if certain examples from your own life are already coming to mind for you. I know the destructive our tongues can be. Often our anger comes out in our speech, and we speak words that tear down and wound others. Sometimes it's grumbling and complaining which reveals our discontentment. I know that I've been convicted of that before in certain friendships where I realized that most of our conversation was just complaining. Maybe you've been convicted of gossiping or using your words to damage the reputation of others, and we often don't speak words that need to be said, words that would be encouraging and helpful. Often, even our silence can come from sinful attitudes of our hearts. I wonder if some of these things that I mentioned in your speech, maybe you're holding on to anger in your heart towards someone, even if you haven't spoken angry words towards them. Growing in Christ involves both putting off the old self and putting on the new self. So as we mature in Christ, we grow in restraining our tongue from sinful speech, but we also grow in using our tongues in helpful ways to honor God. So it's not just about what things to replace it with. If we have the Holy Spirit, we can repent and turn to Christ when we see our sin, and we can ask him to help us speak words that are pleasing to him. By God's grace, we can fight to use our tongue in ways that honor him. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Hearts continue to be changed, and that changes the words that come out of our mouths. Our speech will more and more reflect the character of God. There are so many encouraging verses about how our tongues can be beneficial. And Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 12:18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In Proverbs 16:24, we read that gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Responded graciously to you or said something encouraging um, that was just really life-giving. Proverbs 25:11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Ephesians 5.4 says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. James later in chapter 5, he'll talk specifically about prayer, praise, and confession. With our tongue, we can sing songs to God and praise him and give thanks to him. Our words can provide encouragement to others. And finally, our tongue is what we use to proclaim the good news of the gospel to others. So as much power as the tongue has to cause damage and destruction in our fleshly nature, as new creations in Christ, it has just as much power to bring blessing and healing and to glorify God. Often when we meet someone new and they have an accent, we can immediately tell where they're from based on the way they talk, or state, or another country. And I think that's a helpful image to us as believers. As we mature in Christ, it should become more and more clear from the way we speak that we belong to him. 
So what are some practical ways that you can use your tongue to bless others and to glorify God? Maybe this week you can look for ways to specifically encourage the people around you. Maybe as you spend time in God's word this week, God's word to others for their benefit. Maybe you need to confess areas in which your speech has contradicted what you believe about God. I'm sure that's true for all of us. And maybe there's a friend who you can My prayer for you guys and for myself is that our speech would more and more reflect our faith in Christ. That what's on the outside will match what's on the inside. That it would be so obvious by the way that we speak to others that, we, that something's different about us and that we belong to him. And that our speech would make it um, just clear that we belong to Christ and he is changing our hearts. So I'm going to pray for God, I thank you so much for just the chance to gather together tonight and for um, each of these students who has come and taken a Thursday night to be here and to learn from your word. Um, God, I thank you for even challenging passages like this that um, are kind of intense and can be really, really convicting. Um, and I just pray that um, each of us um, to, to see ways that we have not honored you in the way that we use our, our tongues, but um, God, I thank you for Christ, and I thank you that he perfectly obeyed, and that when we trust in him, that perfect obedience is, is counted to us, that do glorify you with our speech and, and our actions. And so I just pray that you would help us to grow in trusting you more, like we sang earlier, and um, that the faith that we have in Christ would, would match our actions and our speech on the outside, and that we would be able to encourage those around us this week, and that we'd be able to share the gospel with those around us, and um, just grow in using um, using our speech in a way that groups would be helpful and fun and that we would get to discuss these things more together and discuss how to, how to live this out in our lives. Um, we love you and it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.